Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are taking another trip, another <laughs> bus ride back into the stockade. Yes, it is time for Penitentiary 2 from 1982. The penitentiary <laughs> Jail protocol. Penitentiary <laughs> with a vengeance. The penitentiarist. Or Diary of a Mad Black Penitentiary. Penitentiary 2. The Electric Boogaloo. Oh. oh there's a lot of a lot of boogaloo going on in this film, ladies <laughs> it's, and gentlemen. It's it's pretty boogalooing. It's boogalooing all over the place. This is Vincent's selection. <laughs> Let me say that again. This was Vince's choice, ladies and gentlemen. Why, why do you make it sound like an accusation? Because it's not May. <laughs> yeah. 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 So for all of you who are who watch the movies along with us, this was Vincent's selection. It, it was. It was my for selection. This, for this stop on the Michelle it mission. Was, Remember was. the good time we all had last week with Barbershop? Remember, Lens <laughs> selection? Remember the good time we had two weeks ago with Penitentiary, <laughs> the first film? Yeah, but that was that was a good time in spite of itself. Right. <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't know if the same is going to hold true tonight well, with Penitentiary 2. We'll see. I guess we'll see. We shall see. <laughs> but first, as always, we want to thank each and every one of you who are joining us as we stream live on YouTube as well as on Facebook. Vincent, how are you doing, my friend? I am fine. I am fine. And yourself? I am doing good, but uh -oh. uh, you, Vince, uh -oh. should join me in feeling uh, justifiably slapped by our friend Maurice Poplar. Okay. Who hit us up in, in the emails as okay. we open in with our listener mail in regards to our review from last week of Barbershops. Okay. This is specifically our conversation about celebrities wearing playing spades and things of that nature. Yes. Hey, gents. Maurice starts. Yes. Tom Hanks lived his school years in Oakland. Yes, yes. Uh, Maurice was not the only one to point out that Tom Hanks is actually a son of Oakland. Mm. Graduated from Skyline High School. Oakland was very segregated in the 70s. White flight set in after the first black mayor was elected. The white candidate set to run against Black Panther Bobby Seale. Yes, the white preferred black candidate was elected and they still left. Ha ha. Oakland punches above its weight in Hollywood history. The Mac, Matrix 2, Miss Doubtfire, George Lucas grew up in the bay and a local freeway and the container loaders ended up in the first star wars tri trilogy when you get a chance read about steven spielberg going to an oakland high school to wag his fingers at kids about laughing at schindler's list they sure told him his next film amistad pixar is located in emeryville a small city next to oakland so oakland shows up in a bunch of pixar films too then you have the movies actually about oakland panther fruitvale station black panther sorry to bother you blind spotting kicks moneyball the hulk poetic justice all the tupac documentaries and all the black panther documentaries um but regarding the film barbershop yes 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 
In what films is Keith David not distracting because he's so <laughs> damn good? I saw him do a one man show as Paul Robeson. The man is amazing. Mo. Very nice. Very nice. Well, thank you for that celebration of Oakland. Oakland is one of my favorite cities on earth. Wendy, we were out there. Oh, my goodness. It's probably been 10 years now. And Wendy teases me. She thought I was actually going going to decide while we were there that now we live in Oakland. Really? Yeah, I love Oakland. Mm. Love Oakland. Why, why do you love Oakland? I love the spirit of it. I love the spirit of it. I love that 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 sort of radical spirit that's right underneath it. I love the the bay energy. Mm-hmm. I love the blackness, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love the um the weather. Is it like I, you I know, mean? It's, isn't it's it the bay? Isn't it? T- yeah, it's, it's the bay area. So okay. it's it's like you know I'm I'm a big fan of jacket in the evening weather. Like that's my favorite weather. Okay, you know right. jacket in light jacket. So. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you, Maurice. I am a fan of Oakland. Realize I haven't been to Oakland in a while. Got to get back to Oakland. You do. Mm. But Tom Hanks gets back there more than you, Vince. Right, apparently, apparently. We also heard, Vince, we had a very cool email from Kim Shaw. Hey, Kim Shaw. And this is in regards to our review, jumping into the Wayback Machine, of Watt Stacks. Okay. Just heard your 2017 podcast on this movie. Wow, it was four years ago. How about that? That we reviewed Wattstack. You can feel good that you featured a black-produced film. Stack's film was the co-producers of this film. The major movie company that controls it now has pushed the three black producers in the background that gave their hearts and souls for this film. Uh, Larry Shaw Al Bell and Forrest Hamilton gave the movies its flavor. Shaw, who was once the communications director for SCLC, an ad man that brought you Afro Sheen, Black is Beautiful, self-affirming ads, directed those watch shows. Shaw was Operation Push and Jackson's advisor. It was Shaw and Bell that researched and got documentarian Walper to provide the technical prowess. Mel Stewart called Shaw the philosophical soul of the movie. Its cultural relevancy is what has made this a cultural phenomenon. Shaw, Bell, and Hamilton got prior to do the movie. It was they who insisted on the all-black crew. They also insisted no LAPD. Melvin Mm. Peoples was over security. It won the Sundance Collector Award, was shown at Cannes, and has been just inducted in the National Film Registry. Shaw, by contract, had the last word on how black people and culture will be on the screen. These black men, according to F. HFPA are the first producers to have a film nominated for a Golden Globe in the documentary category. Shaw wrote Pryor's opening monologue. Shaw taught Afro thought in Chicago and was the guide for the lift every voice montage of black history. Mel admits he did not know the black experience. The black filmmakers got their first union cards shooting this would be happy to share more. I am Shaw's daughter. Wow, that is fantastic. And she she left us her, her information so okay. that we can contact her. So we definitely yeah, will be yeah, getting absolutely. in contact. Well, thank you for that, Kim. Thank you. 
Isn't ho- that dope? Ho- yeah, hopefully you stayed around for some more episodes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, that's cool. That was really cool. Yes, it was. We put out there via our newsletter, mm-hmm. the Michelle Mission Dispatch, as well as on social media. Yes. That coming up in 2022 is the 300th episode. 300 of the Michelle Mission, which means that starting with episode 275, uh, we will begin yeah. the road. To three hundred. We're on the road to three hundred. And while going through our own personal thoughts of exactly what films we're going to choose, sure, to review and uh, across those twenty-five monumental um, episodes, we, we, should pr- we should probably hit the disorderlies at some point, starring the Fat Boys. At, at some point, probably the disorderlies. At some point on the mission, starring the Fat Boys, we'll hit the disorderlies. Disorderlies. Um, starring the fat boys i don't know whether or not we will find time to get to it between 275 and 300 i'm just saying it's the disorderlies starring the fat boys but we shall see um but we put it out there for the missionaries Mm -hmm. to if they had their own suggestions that they should send them in okay of what they wanted did some films not guaranteeing that we're going to review the films but you know their thoughts yes yes and Belinda Silber, hey Belinda, sent us uh, a thought of a film that has been suggested to us before. Okay, and we've kind of poo-pooed it for you'll immediately know the reason. Okay, but I'm wondering if now in the era in which we live, okay, do we maybe ch- make a change? Okay, she writes, I'm not sure if it meets the standards of being a black movie. But could you please review the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman? Right. Because it was a television movie. Right. Right. And that's been put up like a lot. I mean, like if you look up a lot of lists of great black films. Yeah. That's up there. Well, you know, here's the thing. I think something like the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman mm-hmm. falls into that category with something like the learning tree, not the learning tree. There was something else that we saw. It's something else that we either were going to review and didn't end up reviewing. We thought it was going, we thought it was on in the film, but then it was a television movie. I know we did. Um, I know Scott Joplin was a, TV movie that but was it got a short release. Got a short release, but what's our Robert Townsend movie? Oh, Holiday Heart. Holiday Heart, which premiered on I think it was Showtime. Yes, I think something like the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, which for many of us, and I'm going to include me and you in that number, mm-hmm. were so young mm-hmm. or just weren't born when it came out on television. I was, I, I, I was alive. <laughs> But you don't really remember it. I remember it. You remember like I remember it watching it first run. You remember for okay. Well, for many people, Mm -hmm. something like that runs together with something like the Learning Tree or Uptown Saturday Night or The Wiz. Like there are so many of these films that are iconic Mm -hmm. that for many of us we've only ever seen them on television. That's true, and but it it, it also so it does blur. It what also helps blur that line with something like Miss Jane Pittman is because of the time that it came in. We black people aren't seen as much, never mind on TV 
but even in the movies or if you are seen in the movies at the time that it comes out it, which is like the mid 70s right it's the heavy black exploitation films so right. so which are geared to one particular audience right you know I, we've we've talked about it the, one of the reasons why the bill cosby sydney portier movies of those time were so successful is because they were the only other black film one of the few only other black films that were marked for the family right right kind of counter programming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. miss jane Pittman kind of falls in there as yeah. well even though it was tv that's the reason why i remember it because it was like my mom sat the family down to watch this right right it was a, it was event television mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so I, I i do think that there are cases that we could issue passes well, you know, one of the reasons why we stuck with Holiday Heart is even though it was a Showtime film, is one is because it did resonate with so many people and it was a holiday movie. And is that in the count? Like uh, is uh, Holiday Heart actually in the count that's, that's of three hundred? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm going through them all as I'm updating the new website. Right, right. And then I don't think I've come up to it yet. But um and then, you know, the other thing is we're, we're we're discussing the rules, but they're the rules we made up. I know. <laughs> well see, but but the reason it's why like we're we're putting together a case to go and argue the case before us. But but wait a minute, to be fair. There's a reason why we have these rules. Absolutely. It's so it just doesn't get crazy. Because, <laughs> you know, I'll come in here with the episode of Different World with, yes. with, with Ty Mock was trying to rape Freddie. Yes. Yes. I know you will. Mm-hmm. I know you will. Or you'll come come with um, the uh, the series of Calvin commercials for uh, McDonald's. What's the very special episode of Different Strokes? Oh, with the bike shop. <laughs> the bike shop. With the bike shop. And Arnold left Dudley in there. He came back and Dudley didn't have no shirt on. And he said, I feel woozy. I feel woozy. I said, whoa. Arnold, you don't just leave your boy. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it's a question to to think about. Yes, yes. It definitely is a question to think about. We also got an email, or like the episode, the season after um, Walona adopted Penny, and then remember when when Penny's birth mother came back. Remember mm-hmm. when Chip Fields mm-hmm. came back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was horrifying. Her coming back was horrifying. Yes, I mean, yes, it was. But it, the opening episodes with Penny, you know, where she had the the iron mark come on her on, back, man. that. Come on. Come that on. that that come scarred on. me, man. Come on, I, t- come I couldn't on. look at an iron the same, about, man. Come on, Penny went to run, and she said, "I locked the door because I knew that's what you do first. Mm-hmm. And then she took the cord off the iron, mm-hmm. and I remember being a little boy thinking, "I can't believe she's about to beat her with that cord." Right, and then she put the cord down. <laughs> and then remember the camera switched perspective. And it was from Chip Fields' point of view, so it just was closing in on Penny. Yeah. And Penny said, please, Mama, don't, Mama, please, Mama, don't. And then it cut to commercial. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if we don't have rules, I'm going to have an episode like that. We I just, know. We just talk about Penny's birth mother, Chip Fields, who I'm still scared of right now. And this is why we have auto- to have rules. the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman <laughs> will not make it to the mission. So blame Chip Fields. Blame, blame <laughs> Chip Fields. <laughs>
Support Black Podcast. Don't call it a podcast. This is just shit you gotta hear. Serious rap shit, that is. Covering all things in and around hip-hop culture. It's the Serious Rap Shit Podcast. With your hosts, John Morrison and Josh Leedy. Get everything that's going down in the world of hip-hop, including the daily fuckery that's going on in the life of your host. And believe me, fuckery is what it is. Serious Rap Shit Podcast. Find it on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and any place and every place that you find good hip-hop. And remember, support Black Podcasts. I'll see your fat boys. And somebody said that we should review Tougher Than Leather, the Run DMC. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Not a lot of cultural relevance necessary. But I guess, I mean, you know. What cultural relevance is in the disorderlies? Oh, I was joking about the disorderlies. Uh, you couldn't have told that to the people in the Just chat. Because Sharon Eldridge is uh, is over here clapping for the disorderlies <laughs> for the like disorder. crazy. She's pro-disorderlies. Yes. The film with the fat boys. She's all she's all about it. All about disorderlies. <laughs> but Farrell Blackwell said in regards to you talking about the bicycle episode, that's a trigger warning. Be, <laughs> just to be... Uh, did that have a little jointy joint at no. the like? I don't even no. think that was a very special episode. No, they th- well, no, no. They one, they didn't do that back then. No, no, they were very because back to back to good time. Remember, good times had the little bl- blue placard the episode where JJ thought he had VD. Remember, they said this episode deals with mature subject matter. I, I kind of remember that certainly different strokes had some very special episodes i don't remember that bike shop one being one though i don't remember i mean if if now i wouldn't be surprised if maybe at the end of it they didn't run like some phone number or something like right, that. right 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 i don't remember anything like before the show now you can't judge it by now because if you watch it now they probably would right have right. inserted something because it's a lot yeah, like man. all jokes aside, it's actually a pretty intense episode. Hell of yeah, different strokes. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, shoot, that was no joke. Steve Stephen Hendricks says that the Family Matters episode with the gun was horrifying. I don't. I I left Family. Matters. Yeah, I was about to say my Family Matters knowledge is is not that great. So, but I'm taking your word for it. I'm yeah, not absolutely, absolutely. Um, so 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 tough. If, if disorderly, I'm letting you know <laughs> right now, Vince. Right. If you show right, up right, one right. day during the, tw- the right, 275, right. You're, you're pulling it. Tell the, the truth. You want to do tougher than leather. Look, just because the email <laughs> says that it was sent from Len Webb doesn't mean it was another Len Webb. It, it wasn't another Len Webb. <laughs> it's another Len Webb. When's the last time you watched Tougher Than Leather? Oh, I I actually watched it maybe about good two three years ago. Did you really? Honestly, I only watched it because I wanted to get to the scene. There's a scene where Run DMC walk up on some guy uh-huh. like they're hunting him down, but <laughs> he's in a room and a door's open and it's just the silhouette of Run DMC a la Batman. <laughs> and I remembered that being like so epic. <laughs> and I wanted to see that scene again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I was a little kid again when I watched that scene. I was like, 
Yeah, it's Run DMC. Like Run DMC is my favorite rap group of all time. Okay. Even all though right. I now can look at them and and have much more respect for DMC than I do for Run. Sure. At the time, they were they were it look, for me. They, they were they were our first hip hop rock stars. Yes. Yes, but the movie is not good. Oh, the tougher, movie is not tougher good. than leather. Is not good. It's at all. not good at all. Yeah, it's not good at all. And uh, the shame to say is that Disorderlies is probably a better movie than Tougher than Leather. Disorderlies moves. Yeah, you what? know it's very slapstick. I cannot believe we are talking about Disorderlies, but yeah, it's it's pretty slapstick. I'm fine with talking about Disorderlies. You know why? Why? Because I went on a mini Three Stooges marathon. This right, weekend. and and it's very much in that tradition. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and I actually wish they could have really kept going. Well, no, I wish that they had actually had more talent, so right, they could have right, right. leaned in on the Three right, Stooges, right. but I, they. Just remember the human beatbox said, Oh, you can eat. And then he said, He did the beatbox. He did the hand beatbox. Yeah. Make sure you edit that in when, when you put it together. <laughs> I need you to enhance. <laughs> I, need you to- I need you to enhance. <laughs> you want to put some, my imitation, some effects? My imitation <laughs> of the human beatbox. Yes, Vince. When they did All You Can Eat in another movie, mm-hmm. Crush Groove. Mm hmm. And he said, uh, 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 and he said, so you make sure you get that on there. I will Vince. make sure you get that. I'll, I'll take care of you, bro. It's it's not the road to 300, but I feel like that's something that should be documented. My version of the, of human, the human beatbox and his part in all you can eat. Yes. During crush groove where they went to Sabaro's. And they got thrown out because it was all you could eat. And they ate so much. They did eat. Uh, that they uh, closed down the tent uh, And he said, all oh, you can eat. <laughs> so make sure you get that. I was a Dougie Fresh man myself. So. I mean, of course. The human entertainer. Well, I mean, Dougie Fresh was like, I wouldn't even pretend to try and do some Dougie Fresh. Yeah. Let me hear you, Dougie Fresh. Break it down. Break it down. Because he's eating. What were you about to do? Because he was eating. Like, Dougie Fresh would do something with his tongue. You were about to. Right. Like, like, like whoa, Dougie Fresh. You, you got. First of all, you got to be able to roll your R. Can you roll your R? Like, what the hell is that? I don't know. That's gargling. Like I said, <laughs> oh, not, I ain't mess with Dougie Fresh. It's not rolling your R. I, I ain't mess with Dougie Fresh. Rolling your R is going. Yeah, I, I ain't really mess with Dougie Fresh. <laughs> you got to be able to go. I mean, I ain't mess with Biz either. Like, like we were talking about when Biz Marcus A Biz, passed. yeah. Like when he was on um, Yo Gabba Gabba and Biz's beat of the day, like Biz, like all jokes aside, like Biz was actually nice. Yes. You know, the human beatbox and the fat boys was like, well, he was the beatbox and the fat boys. Pretty much. Right. He, he was the fat boys. Right. I did like the that he do with his hands. I'm not going to be enhancing can you all en- of these. Can you enhance that? Can you enhance that? <laughs> You ever think about the fact that Disorderlies has almost the same plot as Baps? Yeah, I thought about that when we watched Baps. Isn't that weird? I did think about that when we watched Baps, yes. yes. And I didn't care enough to see which came out first. Disorderlies came out first. Disorderlies clearly came out first because Halle Berry wasn't a thing. Halle Berry wasn't a thing when the Disorderlies yeah. came out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So perhaps Baps was inspired by Disorderlies? Perhaps. Perhaps. 
Perhaps. Perhaps they just remade Disorderlies and said no one will care. No one will care. And no one did. No one did. I guarantee this is the first time it's You come think up. this is the first time this anyone has first ever time pointed out up. the similarities between Disorderlies and BAPS? Yes. I guess Roger Ebert wasn't necessarily cross-referencing. No. The two. He didn't get... He didn't, well, Halle, he was looking at Halle Berry. He, he didn't care. Halle Berry. You know, Roger, he, he was about the one, he about those sisters. Right, right, right. So. No. He took his eyes off the prize. I don't know if there's either if it's a prize <laughs> <laughs> worthy of having your eyes locked on. Yeah, yeah. So no, I don't think yeah. that happened. You know the um the episode with Chadwick Boseman of What If comes on tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Which, which is the last right. performance. The last performance of Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. Yes, on What If on Disney Plus, which right. is um, Marvel's animated, animated series, so. kind of like Tales from the Multiverse, yeah, which premiered last week, which with What If Peggy Carter, yeah, became Peggy a super soldier, yeah, super soldier, which I, I watched it. Did you did you watch oh, it? Absolutely. How did you like it? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. I, I the animation style had to grow on me. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm still not 100% behind behind it because I think that sometimes it there are some moments where it, you know it reaches the uncanny valley as mm-hmm. far as like not looking real. Well, it's on. it's weird because we've grown accustomed to the actors playing these roles, mm-hmm. and you can tell they very very sort of lovingly drew the actors yeah and i think you're right there is a bit of the uncanny valley where it's a little yeah pudding right but that being said it worked for me and and especially some of the the action sequences yeah when peggy carter and now steve rogers is damn near like original iron man Mm -hmm. or the iron giant if you will yeah and they are battling those planes that was some of the best action i've seen fantastic it's like, yo, yeah, that was no joke. Yeah, that was fantastic. Shoot, and Halle Atwell, uh, Haley Atwell, mm-hmm. um, the voice of Peggy Carter, who mm-hmm. played Peggy Carter in the movies as well on the television the, show, the television series, which I loved. Yes, she's a treasure. Yeah, and if they've, I've heard that they're already for season two. Right, are going to return to that little the character universe. that's going to be the through line. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah and I'm for it. Yeah. She will always be the person who stars in one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror, though. Oh, oh, oh. she's in Be Right Back. She's the widow. Like she's actually the main character. Oh, that's in Be right. right. Back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just it just don't. You're yeah. absolutely right. Last Black Mirror thing. I could never warm to. Is it Jodie Whittaker? Is that her name? The the Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could never warm to her. Because she plays the wife in my favorite episode of Black Mirror on um, the entire history of you. Yeah. And she's whack. Yeah. So because of that, I can I can never warm. Like her. she's so good in that episode mm. that I kind of do. It's, it's kind of like Clifton Powell. I got. You. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, you know, that. like people don't like Clifton Powell in real life. Mm-hmm. That's how I am with her because of the entire history of you. I feel you. So. Uh, uh, Miss Makiba mm-hmm. is, is put out in the chat that she's heard that Chadwick Boseman is actually uh, his voice will be heard in four episodes in total of nice. uh, What If. Yeah. And I've actually heard just I read on a review that as much as I and I actually looking forward to this 
someone watched the first three episodes of What If, you uh-huh. know, before it, it, it released. And they said the the Chadwick Boseman one, where it basically is it I think it's like if Black Panther had become like Star Lord. Right, right. They 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 take Black Panther instead of Peter Quill. Right. When he's like twelve. Right. Mm-hmm. Um they said that they think that this one is the best one mm-hmm. of the of of at least of the episodes that they had seen. Right. So I'm really looking forward yeah. to that yeah. one. So a lot. Um and it'll, it'll be it'll be eerie, eerie and bittersweet and sad. And, but you know, it'll you know. be just like when you saw the last images of Carrie Fisher, right in the Star Wars. Yeah. You know, it's bittersweet, but you know, yeah, you want to see it. Oh. So, uh, Aaron Fry asked a question. Yes, Aaron, do you think they can reboot Action Jackson? Oh, I think so. I, I, well, I think they can. Yeah, fairly easily. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody's doing nothing, anything with the name. Although, here's the thing. Is Action Jackson actually unique in 2021? Like, I think the big thing about Action Jackson in the 80s was that he was a black guy mm-hmm. in the role that the white guys were all getting. Mm-hmm. In 2021, I don't know how big of a deal that is. Uh, excuse me i think it would still be a big deal if you if you were able to make it work and that action jackson becomes a movie series right i think that would be big because as many because as many of the names as you might or faces are populating in your head right now Mm -hmm. think of how many of them did two films Maybe a couple of them did two. Mm-hmm. Almost none of them did three. Right. You know, and most of them only did the one. Denzel, you know, barely ever does sequels. He only, and the one sequel he did is when he was too old. Right. With, with, which was Equalizer. Yeah. Some people may want to count The Rock. Maybe you want to count The Rock, but even The Rock doesn't really do sequels. He doesn't like have his own franchise. Sure. Will Smith. Yeah. Not really. Um, and the funny thing is, you're naming all guys who are over forty. I know because yeah. the because the younger guys they're not doing those films, right? At least right. not that I can think. None right. of them. None of them. I, I'm trying to think of the last like real younger black guy that did like an action film right. where they were the star. Maybe. I mean, Michael B. Jordan is, you know, he's Creed. That, well, Creed, and he's made a couple of those sort of military porn movies. Like, oh, the, like the Tom Clancy yeah, movies. Tom, like, yeah, he's in that Tom Clancy kind of pocket a little bit he's probably the he is probably the the one right now with the clout yeah to make something like happen but you kind of want somebody who can stick with it exactly you know michael B. jordan is bouncing around you know what super random where's that old spice guy no i wouldn't take him seriously dude it's action jackson no no. See, like I didn't say I wanted him to play Othello. True, but Action Jackson still has to be able to get over a line. So he's got to yes. be, he's got to, but he's got to have some charisma about him. Oh, I think he has charisma. I like the old Spice guy. I don't. He know. was quite charismatic now, and charming. No, he wasn't. He was as charming as Call fucking Weathers. No. No. I don't he, see that. Yeah, see. he kind of was. No, no. Well, it's not a hard. That's not a high bar, right? That well, that's what I'm saying. We're talking about Action Jackson. Well, there's a reason why there wasn't another Action Jackson because it was Carl Weathers. Yeah. So you want somebody better than right. Carl Weathers, right? You know what I mean? And now we're talking about Action Jackson. 
Yahya Abdul Mateen. No, he got he got too much stuff to do. <laughs> he got Candyman Easy. and Aquaman too. He no, he's got a lot of stuff to do. Right. He's no. got stuff coming down. But I'm saying, but why? Right. I'm saying, but why couldn't he do also this too? He's too uh, is he too old already? No, he's not too old. But that's the other Action Jackson thing. Like I don't want to waste somebody <laughs> with a whole <laughs> lot of talent <laughs> on Action Jackson. Whoa, 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 whoa! We don't need nobody. We don't need no thespian. Right? Exactly. <laughs> like Yaya Mateen is like an actor. <laughs> him on action jackson whoa whoa yeah yeah i got talent we just need somebody who can wear look tall good looking (laughs) you can take his shirt off charming i think old spice guy would be perfect no i know Ooh, well he's already he's going to be in black adam um Oh yeah, uh, uh-uh. Aldous Hodges. Uh, uh-uh. he's he's actually an actor. Yeah, I know. See, it's it's funny because we were kind of talking about it with Jane Kennedy appropriately enough. How you can't have somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Like all of these brothers that are acting now, like these brothers are actors, right? You know, Jonathan Majors, Aldous Hodges, Yaya Mateen. Like these dudes are actors. What about Denzel's son, John David Washington? Yeah. I do like him, but he's not like, like he's no Jonathan Majors. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to waste Jonathan Majors on. Yeah, this. even though I think Jonathan Jonathan Majors could could take Action Jackson and run with it. I mean, he could, and in turn to something really interesting. But I don't see again. I don't need something like I don't need I don't need like a quiet scene with with Action Jackson in his apartment drinking some bourbon looking off because he has secret pain. <laughs> I like that, though. Uh, I wanted, uh, wanted, uh, you wanted uh, to have some teeth uh, to it. Yeah, no, no. It's Action Jackson. I needed him to have a quippy line and, you know, let's have a, let the brother have a gun this time. You know, beat up some people. Well, wait a minute. They, they, got, an act, they got an actor for James Bond, Daniel Craig. James Bond is not Action Jackson. But they want it to be. You want Action Jackson to, to be to on be, that level. You want Action Jackson with some depth. Yes. You want interiority Jackson. I just wanted to be a little bit. I wanted to, to have some legs to it. You don't want it to be. You want Hidden Demons Jackson. First of all, you want to. You want to, someone who's going to be strong enough to make a connection, so that if it gets greenlit for a sequel, and then for whatever reason this brother says, "Yo." Can y'all pay me some real money now? They don't pull a uh, switch, and now we got Don Cheadle, right? Instead of Terrence Howard against Terrence Howard. You were introspection, Jackson. I just want a good. I you want, want thoughtful, Jackson. <laughs> Thoughtfully, action, Jackson. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the kung fu head nod, the, mm. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Let's get into our review, ladies and gentlemen, of Penitentiary Two. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages.
done his time in one penitentiary. Now Too Sweet was doing all he could to stay out of Jamapanaka's Penitentiary 2. Too Sweet's back. He's bad, beautiful, and he's looking for action. O2 will come through. Same old too sweet. Boy, have I been waiting for you. Hey, I'm not boxing, man. My parole says I have to be in your employ for one year. It says nothing about boxing. He made a deal to get out. You want to be a wise guy? But the man wants to change it. Well, I've got employment for you. Permanently. I told you, the guards are. I see your point. Let's go and kill this sucker and get it over. I love you so much. I'll do anything for you. While he was doing time, she was waiting. Word, word. You do exactly what I say. When the world hits you this hard, you hit back harder. I go back to the penitentiary. Too sweet, too sweet, you're so neat. And he gets it off his feet. Now, Too Sweet's out for revenge. No matter what the cost, Jama Fanakas. Penitentiary 2. Penitentiary 2, an ex-con on parole and trying to straighten his life out, decides to resume his boxing career when one of his prison enemies escapes and kills his girlfriend. Written and directed by Jamal Fanaka, Penitentiary 2 returns Leon Isaac Kennedy as Too Sweet Gordon with Glenn Turman, Mr. T, Peggy Blow, <laughs> and Ernie Hudson as the villainous half dead and this stop on the mission is brought to you by vincent williams vincent what say you of penitentiary 2 well penitentiary 2 is the sequel to penitentiary a film that we discussed a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and i think that we both acknowledged if not admired the thoughtfulness that Jamal Fanaka brought to penitentiary. And by that, the, the, the way he took a grindhouse film took, took the, this film that very much is, is representative of the film tradition of the seventies, mm-hmm. along with the philosophy of the LA rebellion, where we are trying to critique black life we're trying to speak directly to a black audience and Mm -hmm. and foster that relationship and thread the needle of having this this very kind of outlandish action and 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 sexuality and everything that that the energy Mm -hmm. that drew and draws many of us to the films of the 70s with 
a level of thoughtfulness. We could argue how much thoughtfulness was there, but certainly I think we all agree, we being me, you, the critics of penitentiary, with the fact that Jamal Fanaka was trying to say something right, with penitentiary, specifically about the prison industrial system and arguably about America and its relationship with poor black people in general. Mm-hmm. And because of that, penitentiary has become, dare I say, a cultural lodestone that people point to as something that you talk about. Penitentiary 2 is not that film. Mm. And in between penitentiary and penitentiary 2, all of that thoughtfulness is completely gone. And because that is gone, it is difficult to point to the other part and and argue about the other part this is especially true because even if you say that there there are no themes there there there's no nuance there's no critique if you will so we're just going to look at this as a film this is a film that that falls apart on every level of enjoyment mm-hmm. I think we've talked about Jamal Fanaka as a filmmaker, just just as a straight filmmaker. This is our third time, first two times being Welcome Home, Brother Charles and Penitentiary. And the thing that we both agreed upon is that these were student films. Mm-hmm. So just on the level of craft, he he is it it's it's it, it's not that polished. For this to be the film that was made after the financial success of penitentiary so that you have to think that he has more resources. And, and frankly, at this point, this is his fourth film. It is, it is disappointing how bad just from a level of craft. This film is you start with the very beginning where, where you get the star Wars scroll, (laughs) which gives you almost a film's worth of plot. With what happened between the end of Penitentiary and the beginning of Penitentiary 2, where it retells what happens in Penitentiary, but then there are actual new developments where Too Sweet has gotten to a conflict with the 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 the, the, the manager that he had made the deal with, and now mm-hmm. he's gonna be a messenger mm-hmm. and half dead. <laughs> has escaped from prison and he's on the run and it's just really really awkward and sloppy filmmaking yeah especially because the star wars scroll as opposed to in star wars coming at the head of the film the film opens up already and then and then cuts then cuts to the scroll cuts to it as overlaid on a door as (laughs) if we can't understand the plot movement of now he's staying with his sister. How do you know it's his sister? Because she refers to him as brother five times. <laughs> brother, I love you. Oh, brother, it's you. Brother, it's so good to see you. Brother, I put in my notes. I think that might be his sister. I'm not sure, though. Mm. There's that throughout the film. The acting is 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 amateurish at best the 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 the, the, 
the one really good move that I admired I did a lot in the first film where they orbit around Leon Isaac Kennedy because Leon Isaac Kennedy is the weakest actor in the first film. And I like the fact that Fanaka kind of maneuvered around him. Mm hmm. Well, mm-hmm. he is front and center in Penitentiary 2. Boy, he is. He is front and center, and he is not good. <laughs> he is not good. And unless you think that the performances are just because of the the actors, the caliber of acting, they have somehow roped Glenn Thurman, Glenn Thurman into this, mm-hmm. who is a good actor, and he just drifts through the movie he just sort of drifts through the movie you can't get a sense of of what his stakes are in all of this he plays uh two sweets brother-in-law mm-hmm. and at first you think maybe he doesn't like him around but then he likes him and then so just on the level of of acting nothing works the plot makes no sense at all None. The plot makes no sense at all with Too Sweet has you know, this is a carryover from the first film. Too Sweet is not a fighter. He says he doesn't want to fight. It is that beautiful theme to to my critique in the first film of black people and specifically black men and their bodies being commodified. In this case being commodified for the entertainment of people. Mm -hmm. And Too Sweet resists that. Too sweet in the beginning resisted here, but then he has a girlfriend who gets murdered in a scene that we have to talk about that is amazingly graphic. Very. And amazingly inappropriate for a film this light. Mm. And now he wants to box so that the kids can have somebody to look up to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is a quote. Like, this is a quote. He's going to be a fighter for the kids. Right. To have someone to look up to. In her memory. In her memory. The memory of this girl that was raped and murdered. Now he's going to be a fighter in her memory so that the kids have somebody to look up to. The whole plot with Half Dead played in this by Ernie Hudson, who I have to say, Ernie Hudson probably doesn't talk about his role in Penitentiary 2 that often. But he's the only one in the film that seems like at some points he's having fun. That's true. Like Ernie Hudson is 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 he's having a good time. Is perhaps the only one in the film that realizes we're making penitentiary too. Yes. Not an important cultural document. Which is a good statement, a good way to transition to in my mind is the worst crime of this film I said mistakenly last week that Leon Isaac Kennedy helped to write this script and that's not true Jamal Fanaka is credited as the only screenwriter that's true. Uh, Leon Isaac Kennedy helped to write the script to Penitentiary 3 mm. at least it's you know acknowledged but this feels very much like Leon Isaac Kennedy's voice Mm -hmm. is part of the driving force of this narrative because this is a film that takes itself way more seriously than it has earned at all. This whole notion of Too Sweet, who in the first film is really just an ordinary man. 
Yes. He's an ordinary man who is caught in these circumstances. He is resisting as an ordinary man in the tradition, frankly, of a sweetback. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the sweetback model. I'm an ordinary man caught up in this, and I'm trying to resist. Somehow in this, he has almost become a Christ figure. Yes. I'm going to fight for the kids to look up to me. When he loses a fight, somehow that garners him the attention and the love of the entire world. Mm -hmm. People are sending telegrams. You get the sense people are naming their children after Too Sweet. He has solved the crisis in the Middle East. I mean, everything about Too Sweet as this character, Mm -hmm. you get the sense that Leon Isaac Kennedy is saying, we need to elevate. This is someone who should be important simply because, frankly, I'm playing him. Mm. And just historically, it's, it's good to point out that between 1979 and 1982, Leon Isaac Kennedy as a, a, a a cultural figure his star had risen yes you know frankly this is his heyday this is his heyday 1981 he and jane kennedy probably the the height of their career had remade the film body and soul Mm -hmm. another film about a boxer Mm. but leon isaac kennedy really had had positioned himself as this low rent billy d williams Mm -hmm. which let's take a beat there (laughs) So that so much of this film bends itself to elevate Leon Isaac Kennedy. Leon Isaac Kennedy as too sweet. And that's really a shame because I, I mentioned before one of the things that fascinates me about the penitentiary series is that it's a series that changes genre mm-hmm. from film to film. First film, again, very much in the tradition of black exploitation. This is very much an 80s film. This is yeah. this is sort of that, that fever dream, that over-the-top-ness that you get from the 80s films. Mm-hmm. Like we were we were talking about Action Jackson, but so much of that those 80s action films are so over the top mm-hmm. that I joke about all of the cocaine yeah. that yeah. is go- that is going on in the 80s. And I don't know about Jamal Fanaka's habits. I don't know about Leon Isaac Kennedy's habits enough to speak on the mic. But I have to say, a film where Mr. T plays Mr. T a full month before Rocky three comes out, by the way, that's true. But he dresses in a genie outfit, an actual genie outfit so that he rubs a magic lamp. They play the genie music when he comes on a film where half dead dons a rainbow Afro wig as a disguise a film where Tony Cox, mm. who many of us know as the actor from Friday or Bad Santa, mm-hmm. where he's just this little person running through the movie. A film where there is an extended skating sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know for a fact there was cocaine involved in the writing of this script, but it feels like it. You have a moment at a disco with a mime. Why? <laughs> Look, this is just where we are, folks. We're at the disco and there's a mime. <laughs> so that's something like that. I love, like, I love that kind of thing. Like, I love that kind of thing. But because of these other elements, mm. this sort of po-faceness, this over-importance that, again, is completely unearned, that puts a real sour taste on the elements that ordinarily I would love. Gotcha. Like I said, there, there's, there's this really graphic rape and murder mm-hmm. of Two Sweet's girlfriend in the Clarice. beginning, Clarice, in the beginning of the film. So to, to, to give him the motivation that just, just because it's at the beginning left a really bad taste in my mouth for the rest of the film. And then when you go to everything else that I've stated, ultimately it's just, it's, it's, it's just a mess, but the worst crime of it is it's not an entertaining mess. No, it's not entertaining at all. It's not entertaining at all. And just touching on that scene, the murder of uh, Clarice, one more time you say that that happened in the beginning of the film and it does happen i guess within like the first 30 40 minutes yeah, first of the 30 film. minutes mm-hmm. um but it is very graphic the graphicness of it stands out because there are so many other places in the film where you see them pulling their punches as mm-hmm. far as graphically. I mean, in the boxing scenes, boxing is going to be what it is. But in other scenes, they kind of pull their punches a little bit. Um, and to be as graphic as it, and and for it to really be, the impetus of it is just to get too sweet back into the ring. Mm-hmm. And while you say that from the first film, he kind of like was hesitant about boxing at the end of the first film, which was three years prior, he had kind of celebrated that he was going to be a boxer. Remember, the whole idea was that seldom scene was going to be coming out in a couple of weeks later to train him. So he was looking forward to getting into the ring to be a boxer at the end of the the first penitentiary film. Now, fast forward three years to this film, there's a couple of things that happen at this point. You point out the elevation of Leon Isaac Kennedy as a cultural figure in Black America because of his marriage to Jane Kennedy, who was our Black America's uh, sweetheart at that time. They do the film Body and Soul, where he, you know, again dons the 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 boxing shorts and gloves for a film, remaking an old film and remaking it. Well, we'll get to it in time mm, here. Probably a, in May. Definitely mm-hmm. in May. Um, he's feeling himself at, at that point. Also, what is happening is two other things that, that are happening in, in the span of those three years. In the span of those three years in the world of sports, you have the, the beginning of the superstardom of Sugar Ray Leonard. 
Sugar mm, Ray Leonard, the boxer, who, if you look at him, is of similar built mm-hmm. and look to Leon Isaac Kennedy. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Noted for being like a very slick boxer, you know, fast and fast hands, you know, could knock you out after a bunch of punches slipping and sliding. He is a certified superstar in between those years of 1979 to 1982. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is a, and it is the resemblance to him that also helps catapult Leon Isaac Kennedy's stardom as also put some some air into his ego mm-hmm. right because now he's like you know oh, I'm a boxer and I you know I'm I'm doing that yeah Sugar probably got some of his moves from me no he didn't um and then even more and you touched on it between 79 and 82 you have, alongside the evolution of Sugar Ray Leonard, you have the world phenomenon that is the Rocky movie franchise. Mm-hmm, that's right. And the Rocky movie franchise, at that point in 1982, you said Rocky 3 is about to come out within a, within a month. But Rocky 1 has already won the Oscar in 1976. Uh, and Rocky 2 is already like the sweetheart for it, everybody. Cause now Rocky wins the fight at the end right, of that. Right. Then everybody's on his top and boxing is number one in the world. Also, you got to remember at this time, boxing is one, the big sport because Muhammad Ali is still fighting at this time. Um, and, and he is still a name of note out there. All of this goes to propel Leon Isaac Kennedy and probably to a degree J- Jamal Fanaka in, in compiling this film. Well, yo, we got to somehow fit all of this into this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, Too Sweet is the reluctant bo- boxer who has to be galvanized for some reason. Well, how do you galvanize your hero? Usually you kill a girl. Right. So you kill a girl to get him to all of a sudden become become the hero that he was destined to become. But he just can't be just be a hero out for vengeance because then it does smell of the black exploitation films. So no, he has to have a bigger reason because I I, I want to become a hero for the kids. For the I want kids. to I want to be doing something mm-hmm. more worldly and, and so so they can broaden the the horizons of the two sweet character. They are un- they unfortunately in all of this trying to infuse this film with all of with all of that as well as locking into all of the trends of the 80s mm-hmm. with the roller skating that comes out of no place <laughs> um and <laughs> and Leona as a Kennedy should never be on roller skates doesn't belong on roller skates like dude it well I shouldn't be surprised 
he didn't learn any boxing moves between the the two films. Right. I shouldn't have expected him to learn how to skate between yes. the two films. Yes. So he he doesn't know how to. So they try to throw that in there. They try to throw the disco in there. You get a, you get a full blown music video from Click in the middle of this <laughs> in the middle of this movie. I'm like, which thankfully gets cut short. Thank God. Yes. Um. So they're trying to infuse all of that in. The, in, into this film to try and give it that uh, uh, to to get some of that Rocky and Sugar Ray Leonard sheen yeah. onto their film but unfortunately their film is titled Penitentiary 2 which means which means at some point you've got to go back to the <laughs> penitentiary it's right there in the title <laughs> so as many kids as you're trying to get to your movie dog at some point, you gotta get back to the penitentiary. Yeah. And this movie, man, it it, it kind of makes sense that there's a Star Wars scroll at the beginning of this film. <laughs> because it is science fiction the way they get him back into the penitentiary for I still, the big fight. I still don't quite understand <laughs> how the dude from the first film is somehow a contender for the title in professional boxing. No, no. That you got almost like ESPN sportscasters right. in there. Here we are live from the prison. Pit. Yeah, look at it live from Blackgate prison. And, and which, which appears to be the happiest place on earth. These prisoners are so happy. Well, yeah, they they're look. dancing, they're singing, they're openly gambling. <laughs> I mean, there's casinos going on. There, there's there's mattresses under the under Again, the ring. It's like everything that was powerful about penitentiary. Mm-mm. Mm, mm, mm. It's like they threw it all out. No, because this is Penitentiary Two. This colon is, Rocky Black. This is <laughs> Penitentiary this, Two. That's what this Rocky is. Black. I would have gone with Sugar Ray Leon, but okay. <laughs> See, that would have been too. That they can't do that. They can't do that. Sugar Sugar Ray copyright. Sugar Sugar Ray. Sugar, is, Sugar is Ray. Is oh, Sugar Ray don't play. Sugar Ray don't. Sugar play. Ray. The second after Sugar Ray Leonard stole the name from Sugar Ray Robinson. Yeah, he copyrighted it. Is that true? <laughs> Eventually, he copyrighted. He wow! Did. Yeah, All he right, did. I ain't gonna say he stole it. Right, I mean, right, right. He right, took right. his name from Sugar Ray and right. Sugar Ray Robinson didn't copyright it. He said, "Well, right. you know, right. I'm copyrighted." Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm just. It's it. You know. Like like I didn't go to Bloxon Library on Temple's campus and look up <laughs> all the all the papers from 1982. It is. It. I could not find anything. Where Jamal Fanaka spoke specifically about penitentiary, penitentiary me neither. too. Me neither. Like he talks extensively about penitentiary, mm -hmm. and then he talks about the series as a whole. Mm. But I could not find anything mm -hmm. where he talks about the transition from one to two because this this is like this is it's like this film was made by someone completely different. Well, yeah. It's actually befuddling how this misses the point. 
of the first film. Well, it, again, it's not because I really think that by this point, while you may have misspoke about Leon and Isaac Kennedy have, having his ha- credits in the writing, I think he is the... You think he's all over this? He's, he's, he's the one that is staring, all staring things. This. Yeah. Um, you, you recast Half Dead, and I honestly think that... If you brought back uh, Baja uh, Dijola, because what is Baja Dijola doing that he couldn't play Half Dead again? No, n- nothing. If you want to argue that Ernie Hudson is a shade more refined of an actor than Baja, an argument could be made about that. But I would say I don't. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm I was not, so I'm not arguing that in 1982. I'm not arguing that in 1982 either. Yeah, me, me neither. Um, what I will say though, and at least on he may be on IMDb, but he's not he's not credited in on Wikipedia. Recasting seldom seen from the actor Floyd Chapman, mm-hmm. and then recasting him, and I can't find the name of the the actor that actually they recast him with. That would be... That is another one of the shames of this movie. Because, that would be Malik Carter. Yes, Malik Carter. Yeah. Because in recasting him, they also totally changed his character. Yeah. Seldom Seen was the soul yeah, of Penitentiary. Absolutely. And now he is just the, just an old guy. Although, Malik Carter's beard is absolutely a thing of wonder his beard is but the different shades of gray that his hair wears in the movie (laughs) is a makeup nightmare his beard looks like he could have hung out with beanie Siegel in freeway in 2005 yes Yes, it does he does well to, to be fair the actor malik carter could have because unlike floyd chapman in the mm-hmm. first penitentiary, who is legitimately an older guy right. who wears his age and his experience in his body, Malik Carter is a like a a a a, a, a fire plug of a man. He's a yeah. thick, muscular yeah. man who who maybe's had a few too many ribs, but other than that, right. the man is, he's cut, he's chiseled. Right, I'm about saying, you better whisper all that t- uh, too many ribs talk. No, I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just saying, like, he, no, he's he's still a, yeah, a bigger I, guy. Right, that's my point, but he looked like he, okay. like he looks like he could have been a prison boxer. Yeah. 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 And you spoke, spoken of, speaking of, and yeah. I like him too, I just want, like, I, you, he pops he's not giving, up, he's not he giving, pops up periodically. Okay, I, this the, is the actually, actor. Uh, I'd have to see, because this is the first time I uh, I remember seeing Yeah, him. he was in Black Belt Jones. Was he? Mm-hmm. Oh. Don't ask me what he played, but. Oh. Okay. Yeah, no, but, I won't. Yeah, we've I, seen him. He pops I'm, up. I'm not looking at that movie again. Yes. Um, and you talk about Leon Isaac Kennedy as a, as a bad actor, and Leon Isaac Kennedy is a bad actor. He has no charisma whatsoever. And you know you're bad when Mr. T outacts you in your movie. <laughs> Mr. T playing Mr. T. Mr. T. But there was one thing that Mr. T, Mr. T, Leon Isaac Kennedy did in this film, which one told me that he was smelling every scent that was coming off of his body in this film. Mm-hmm. And it made me annoyed. Okay. And that was in the scenes with his 
girlfriend, Mm -hmm. Clarice. Mm -hmm. There are three separate occasions where he goes in to kiss her. Yes. Right. And I've made a, a, a point of watching kissing scenes lately to because to see how much buy in do I really feel from the two actors. Okay. Right. And on each one of his scenes where he goes into kiss and usually on any almost any kissing scene, you start with like a little peck and then it goes, you know, wherever mm-hmm. it goes. On each and every one of those scenes, you can see that the the actress, uh, Eugenia Wright, to give her her just due, is going in to start with a peck. Right. And Leon Isaac Kennedy is coming full open mouth. Right. Like he is about to bite down on a drumstick. Right. Every single time Mm. and to me that is the the epitome of an actor who is the you know top of the call sheet Uh uh-huh taking advantage of his position right right because this act actress eugenia wright who doesn't have a long list of credits you know it may be five right she at that time 1982 she's going to give in to him and she only actually gives in to him one time right that's the other thing she knows she's not going to be here that long well that's the other thing too but her character is his girlfriend they feeling each other there's only one scene where she is supposed to be reluctant because she's like you know playing doesn't want to not sure if she wants to have sex or whatever right but in the other scenes they are just kissing just like out in public type type of things and She's supposed to be into it. She's just not supposed to be into it right from the door, dog. You know what I mean? And that really put me off Mm -hmm. on um, Leon Isaac Kennedy, the the man, in in that moment. Uh, And I I that was I was very disturbed to to see. Well, again, I I think I'll I'll just speak for myself, and and we 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 just finished talking about it. I made note of the delicacy and the sort of of thoughtfulness dare I say Mm -hmm. that Jamal Fanaka shows with the women in penitentiary yeah none of that it's 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 completely out the window you you haven't even mentioned your foreplay scene (laughs) well it's it's again it it kind of it seems like the type of thing that maybe I would like because mm-hmm. it's so bizarre. So half dead has a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She brings him some food. They have this really long conversation about the logistics of the food. Yeah. Where if you get a large potato salad, you can get all the potato salad you want. And, and, it, and, and, Appropriately enough, it reminds me of there was a Chinese food conversation in Welcome Home, Brother Charles. That's right. Where it was the same sort of extended exchange about food. Maybe that's his thing. Maybe that's his thing. He's just sort of, yeah. what is it, like cinema verte? It's just, this is what people actually do. Francis Ford Coppola puts a recipe in every one of his films. This okay. His so this is right. So they have this extended conversation about 
this restaurant and the potato salad, then half dead goes off into almost a monologue Mm -hmm. about how his mother used to make potato salad and he misses his family and he misses his mother. And I, and I actually wrote in my notes, are we about to get a backstory from half dead? Are, Are they trying to pull on our sympathy for half dead? Are we really trying to make half-dead three-dimensional? Yeah, I I thought the same thing. And that goes on for a few minutes. Who, who, it should be noted, by this point, has already killed the girlfriend. Has raped and murdered the girlfriend. Right, right. At the same time. Yes. Too short, too short. I think I did the same thing with Penitentiary. Too Sweet is on television boxing. Of course, everyone loves Too Sweet. Of course. Of course. Half Dead's girlfriend says, Oh, I see why they call him too sweet, because I think and, and I forget the exact line, but but it's something to the effect of because if you made love to him, you'd come away with a cavity. Yeah. It's something really weird and awkward, yet somehow also graphic. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like before, just to talk about the line readings in the script itself. There's a moment where where Two Short's girlfriend Clarice is too sweet. Oh, I, I, I did it again. <laughs> Two sweet girlfriend Clarice says that she they're about to make love. Yeah. And she gets out of the bed and says, I just need a few hygienic minutes. Yeah. That was like <laughs> I did. And I actually said this is both bizarre and graphic and weird and gross. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. So Half Dead's girlfriend starts talking about Too Sweet. Mm -hmm. Half Dead gets angry at her, hits her. She pulls out a knife on him. They tussle with the knife. Then Half Dead goes back to the potato salad, which I guess is why they were talking about the potato salads before. It's like Chekhov's potato salad. Right. Half Dead takes the potato salad and mushes her in the face. Then he starts to eat the potato salad off her face. Yes. And then she says, can I have some potato salad let me, too? Let me eat some potato salad too, baby. And then the camera pans away <laughs> because the implication is now they're going to have sex. So that the potato salad was foreplay. And we and we don't want to show that. And we don't, we don't, we don't, <laughs> because we have taste. We want to give them their privacy. Yes. It's so bizarre. Meanwhile, in the ring. <laughs> I, I don't. I really just don't understand this. The whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking of the email that we got from Quenu with our, <laughs> after our review of Penitentiary. How are y'all going to watch a movie about black men in the, in the prison and not mention about, you know, the plight of black men in prison? Because they don't give a fuck about black men. Look, again, anything that we had in in penitentiary is gone. It's completely gone. It's completely gone. It's completely gone. And it took with it the energy Mm -hmm. and the goodwill and, and frankly, any sense of fun. Even though, ironically, this film tries much harder. Yes. In spots. You know, there's a cameo by Dolomite. (laughs) We talked about Tony Cox and and certainly 
midget humor isn't the height of humor and we shouldn't but but that's little person little humor. person but i mean but it's midget humor right like well, that's what that's his credit he's right. credited as right. the he's midget. credited as the midget yeah and 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 you can tell that the film wants you to laugh at this mm-hmm. the prisoners who um who who, pro- who provided the comic relief in penitentiary in the you know as sort of the the peanut gallery yeah they're back they're back yeah, yeah. and i have to say if there was one bit in the film that made me go, oh, okay, I was happy to see them. I wasn't. You were. You, they you, they you added nothing. Added nothing to it. Walking around with their rubber knives. Yeah. Then, so. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a real shame. That being said, would you recommend that people watch Penitentiary <sighs> Two, Vincent? I would not. I would not at all. It is. It is. It it is a film filled with wrong moves. Mm. It is a film filled with wrong moves. Again, no one loves that over-the-top 80s, hey, there's something on your nose, get that, get that. There's something on your nose there right. of 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 those kind of movies. But this just there, – there's so much in here that leaves a bad taste that even the parts that I usually chuckle at, I, I couldn't enjoy. So, so I absolutely would not. And you? No. No, no, don't watch this movie. There's nothing to see. Keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into what we're going to be reviewing next week here on the Michaud Mission, I invite you all to send all of your thoughts, your comments, your concerns. Email us at michaudmission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. M-I-S-S-I-O-N. And also, if you want to make a suggestion for what films we will be covering on the road to 300, put the road to 300 in the subject line. Um, or just put it in someplace in the email. We'll read it. We'll, we'll catch it. Trust me, we will. Um, you can follow the the Michelle Mission. Go to our website, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made, MichelleMission.com, where you can hit swag to check out all the cool designs and gifts that we have available for you by way of our good friends at Public. And shout out to each and every one of you who has gone on as of late. I saw that there actually recently had been a, a nice little bump in sales from our T public shop. And we really appreciate you doing that because thank we get you, a little thank you. piece of dough from that. And that helps keep us doing the show. Um, yes. Thank you. So we really appreciate that. So if you ever want to help the show one, one there's two ways really to help the show. Buy some swag from T public. Cause we get a little piece of coin from that. And the other way is to, on your podcaster of choice, especially if it's Apple Podcasts, go and leave us a five-star rating. Um, a review is nice as well. And whatever you want to leave as a re- review, we'll share it right here on air. But the five-star rating is really what helps, and that helps people find the show in those Apple algorithms. So we really appreciate that. You can also follow the Michelle Mission on your social media of choice, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. You can find us all over the place at Michelle Mission, which is a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcast work, cool podcast network that we are happy to be a uh, member of. Absolutely. All right. Next week, Vince, we've got guests. Oh. Live in studio. Oh. We've got the two ladies from the Unsung Unwrapped 
podcast. Very nice. Nikki Wright and Toya Haynes hey. will be joining us next week to review ATL. ATL. From 2006. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Starring T.I. 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 Lauren London. And Lauren London. Evan Ross. That guy too. Big Boy. And Big Boy. That's right. Big, Big boy, boy is in the film. Yes. Big Boy. So ATL next week um, with Nikki Wright and Toya Haynes of the Unsung Unwrap Podcast. I believe ATL is Nikki's favorite movie of all time. All time. Hey, who plays New News Father? That's not Keith David, is it? Is it Keith David in ATL? I, I, I see y'all all shouting out there, and I don't want you to tell me. I'm going to look it up. I don't believe it is Keith David. I believe that it is, I'm going to tell you in, in three seconds, Vince, it is it's Keith David. Who please? Is it Keith David? I thought that was Keith David in ATL. Yeah. 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 Wow. I didn't think that was a. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Who plays, uh, her mother? Oh, I don't know who plays her mother. Lynette McKee. Wow. Wow. That's some real high-powered actors to be playing the parents of Lauren London. Makes you want to go watch the movie now, doesn't it, Vince? I have no memory of Lynette McKee in ATL. Me neither. And I love Lynette McKee. And we just watched the movie a few weeks ago (laughs) at a party. (laughs) I don't remember. Yeah, but you had been drinking. (laughs) (laughs) You're drunk ass. Don't remember a couple of things. supposed to go there and talk. I'm just saying <laughs> you weren't watching it for, for the Michelle mission you weren't cold eyed and dead sober <laughs> like when we watched the films for us point so <laughs> point point well I will be this time because <laughs> you were a little happy when I left and the movie hadn't even come on yet. So I know by the time the movie came on. Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. I was uh I was feeling myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. All right. All right. So that's next week, ATL. All right. Nikki Ryan Toy Haynes. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. And in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs> <laughs>